morning, Edinburgh. How are we? <laughs> hey, glad you're here for the second service as we're kicking off two services today. It's a great day here at Edinburgh Church. Um, for those of you uh, watching online, we're, we're glad that you're with us too. And I would challenge you to be here in person. I hear from more and more people who are coming back from COVID and all that stuff saying it's just not the same, is it? as actually being here physically able to worship in this place. Uh, and if you're a guest, by the way, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're so glad uh, that you're with us as, as well. We've been in this series called A Higher Calling, and we're learning how to, to love people well, to, to love people the way Jesus uh, loves people. That's what it's ultimately about. We said this kind of love, it, it's, not, it's not romantic kind of love. That's not what the Bible's talking about with this agape love we've been looking at. Uh, it's more than that. It's not even philia, this friendship, uh, brotherly affection kind of love. This is more than that. This is agape, Christ-like, unconditional, sacrificial love. And Paul wants to show us what that looks like in action, which brings us to 1 Corinthians 13, 5 today, uh, which says, agape love does not dishonor others, so it doesn't put others down, it is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered. And that's what I really want to focus on today, this, this issue of, of anger in our, in our, our lives, okay? We, we all struggle with anger from one degree uh, to another, your pastor in, included, okay? Uh, in fact, just recently, um, I couldn't find my car keys. This was in the evening. I had to get somewhere. Can't find my car keys. Uh, my wife, Danielle, she loves to clean the house, and sometimes she moves things on me, and let's just say I found myself losing my mind a little bit, wondering if Danielle or the kids, right, took my car keys. Now, let me just preface this by letting you all know that I was hangry. Does anybody know what I mean by hangry? All right, where you're hungry, okay, and it leads to a little more irritability in your life. So I was hangry. I hadn't eaten any of it. I was losing my mind, and I'm yelling at the kids, and I'm raising my voice, and Danielle is even, you know, worried about the neighbors hearing us as my kids are opening doors, and, and, then, and, and I got to get somewhere, and then finally, I'm just like, I mean, and, and, and that's when I discovered my keys were actually in my pocket, and I couldn't figure out how did Danielle manage to get my keys back into my pocket. I don't know. It's still a mystery. But I had lost my mind, and I had to make a few apologies, okay, after that. So this is something that even your pastor still uh, struggles with, something God is working on his, his heart with. But we need to understand it is something, as common as it is, especially in today's culture, it is something God takes very seriously. Uh, and we're going to see that today. It's something God really does care about. He wants us to, to grow in this area of becoming more patient-minded, peaceful filled people rather than being people who get easily angered, okay? Psalm 37, 8, in fact, tells us, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. Why? Because it only leads to evil. And by the way, this, this word evil here, it's not just talking about moral evil, though that's certainly true. It just means it leads to chaos. It leads to bad things happening in our life. So after I had that blow up, uh, you know, with my family, let's just say I was sleeping next to Antarctica for a couple of nights after that, all right? Uh, it did not go well for me after that. Um, and, and, and that's the reality. Uh, whatever the degree of anger we're struggling with, it leads to bad things. 
And let's just be honest for a minute. It's everywhere. We're seeing anger everywhere. It, and, and, and if I could be honest, even in the church, even with Christians, we see a lot of anger. It's just, it's there. Whether it's politics or this, the, you know, feeling like we're, our values are eroding or, or whatever it is, whatever we're mad about. Coming out of COVID, we saw a lot of anger because of people's opinions on how that should be handled and how we should think of, right? And, and, and even amongst Christians, we saw this. And it's something that's very prevalent, okay? And yet the Bible's telling us we need to be very, very careful. It's not something we should just treat lightly in our lives. It really is something God cares about. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to look at the character or the characteristics of anger. I want to look at the causes of anger, what really causes anger in our life, and then we'll talk about the cost as well. But first, the, the character of anger. What are the characteristics? Well, there's obviously the obvious ones. Okay, I'm not going to focus on these. These are pretty obvious. We all know it's the outburst, like I was acting. The insults, okay? Uh, even cussing, right, oftentimes <laughs> comes out of anger, okay? Uh, and, and, you know, some of you, it's just, it's traffic. You're in your car. You're not even charismatic, and yet you speak your own prayer language. Those of you, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, you, right? Things coming out of your mouth. Okay, these are the obvious ones. But what about the hidden ones? What about things like sarcasm? Okay, unfriendly sarcasm. I'm talking about, well, you know when it's sarcasm to really get back at somebody. Silent treatment. Silent treatment can be something that's subtle. We use silent treatment in our lives. Could be against your parents. Could be against against your kids. Certainly can be against your spouse. I mean, all kinds of ways we can use silent treatment to try to get back at somebody. How about this one? Half-heartedness. You know, maybe don't ever think about that coming out of anger, but we see this right now, especially in the working world, where people maybe don't feel like their needs are being met, or they're not getting paid what they should get paid, or they don't like their boss and stuff like that. And, and it comes out in just half-hearted, and I'm just going to do a half-hearted job. That's how I'm going to get back at this. That's how I'm going to take out my anger. And by the way, coming out of COVID and the ups and downs of all that, I got to tell you, the staff here at Edinburgh Church, man, I never saw that. I saw people giving their, their fullest, their best, e- each and every day, even through the ups and downs of all of that. And you need to know that. But that is something that can creep into our lives, especially in the workplace, I feel. But it can also creep into our families, into our marriages, where maybe that manifests itself as just forgetfulness, you know, half-hearted. Oh, I forgot you asked me to get milk at the grocery store. Right? Maybe you just get lazy. You don't do that thing that maybe you know is really important for your spouse or someone else. And then it leads to this one, apathy. And once it gets to this point, it's really bad. But anger can actually get us to a place where we just don't even care anymore. And i got to tell you, when I sit down with couples, if they got to the place of apathy, I don't know what to do at that point. Usually there's not much hope. And we get there, find ourselves in that place, oftentimes through through anger. So you know, you, these, are, these are characteristics. Some of these are hidden. And maybe we don't realize that what it's really coming from is a place of anger. Or maybe we haven't thought about that. So what are the causes of anger? Well, first off, hurt. Hurt. Oftentimes when we're hurting, we, we, we get angry. And sometimes it's not even a hurt that we've experienced in the moment, but it's a hurt from our past. And we haven't dealt with it properly. We haven't healed from it properly. In fact, I I find that sometimes as believers, we're not very good at dealing with how we feel. 
And sometimes we just try to move on past things and get to the happy stuff. But it really is a place to, to deal with our hurts and, our, and the griefs in our life. Because hurting people do what? They hurt other people. And hurt can uh, cause us to become angry. There's frustration. You know, life's not going the way I wanted it to go. That my, you know, I, I'm frustrated at my work, frustrated with my family, frustrated with my financial situation, whatever it is. Frustration can lead to a, a lot of anger in our life. And maybe you didn't think about this one, fear. fear. Fear is a major cause of anger in our life. Maybe you never thought of that. Maybe if you're a young person here today, you wonder why mom and dad always get upset with me and always seem angry with me. Maybe it's because they're fearful for you. They're fearful for your future. You're coming home late and they've been up thinking about you and worried about you and that fear causes them to get angry. You know, it's when your spouse runs off with the credit card for five hours and you have no idea what they're, what they're spending that, that, you know, what they're buying and you can find yourself getting, they're not actually angry at you, they're, they're angry because they're afraid of, of the situation. And I think a lot of that's true for Christians today. Uh, the church who seems to be angry is because we feel like we're losing control of our culture or we're losing control of, of, of you know, what's, what's happening out there. And oftentimes that's where fear comes from or that, that's what causes anger. It's just this feeling like we're not in control, this feeling of being out of control. So all these things can lead to anger in, in our life. And so what is the cost of that? Well, first off, broken relationships, pretty obvious. Just talked to a a woman uh, recently who um, some family members were posting something on Facebook, political in nature, and she responded back, but it was strong-toned, and it was coming from this place of anger, and she wrote this, this comment, and she said, half my family now won't even speak to me. And she said, I have lost nights of sleep over this. She said, if I could go back again, I never would have posted that. I mean, this is the stuff anger can do, friends. It can cost us relationships. In fact, Proverbs says this, Proverbs 22 says this, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, uh, for you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So not only does it, you know, keep people uh, hurt relationships, the Bible warns us not even to associate with people who tend to get easily angered. Uh, because then we might become like them. It might rub off on us. And this is how strongly the Bible feels about this, what it can lead to in our lives. Okay, um, So broken relationships, that one's pretty obvious. Uh, health problems, I put depression in here. Some of us don't realize this. And of course, not all depression. But I heard this as a young teenager because I'm someone who can be prone to depression in my life. And uh, I remember a pastor saying something that's haunted me. He said, Anger can lead to depression in, in your life. It can be uh, anger turned inward becomes depression. Uh, maybe you don't feel, maybe you can't forgive yourself for something you've done in your past. And maybe you just don't believe what God says about you and you don't walk in his love, believing in the identity he gives you in Christ. And, and when we live like that, friends, we, we can be angry with ourselves and it can lead to even things like depression, but of course it can lead to Things like raised blood pressure and all kinds of health issues. Um, But this is the one I ultimately want to talk about this morning and kind of camp on. At the end of the day, what anger will do in your life is it will keep you from God's best for your life. And what I mean by that, it's going to keep you from experiencing the good plan 
God promises he has for your life. But anger can actually keep you from that. It can hinder that in your life. And a perfect example of this is a character in the Bible. I've been thinking about this person all through this series as we're in this higher calling series. He's come to mind. And this is a hero of the faith. It's someone we talk about quite a bit. But his anger cost him, and it cost him dearly. Do you know who I might be talking about? Moses. Did you realize Moses' anger kept him out of the promised land? It was his anger that did this. So Moses, you know, you know he, he leads the people of Israel, the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt. He leads them out of slavery, you know, parts the Red Sea, all that. Gets them into the wilderness where they're there for 40 years. Can you imagine? We can all empathize and sympathize with Moses having to lead these people who are grumbling and complaining every step of the way. Have you ever been on a road trip with your kids? You know about all the bathroom breaks, right? Can you imagine Moses? (laughs) It's like, okay, let's go. Oh, they need a bathroom break. Okay, okay, let's go. Oh, bathroom break. Okay, uh, let's go. I mean, just over and over. I can only imagine how frustrated Moses has to be. And then they want a drink. They need something to drink. They want to get something from the gas station, right? And so this is the story. We read about this in Numbers 20. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff. And you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. Apparently there was this rock, followed the Israelites through the wilderness. Moses could speak to it, tap it with his staff. Water would gush out. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. And then we read in verse 9, so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him so far So good. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Do you detect a little anger in this? Must we bring you water out of this rock? He's angry. And then Moses raised his arm. And struck the rock twice with his staff. Not just once. Not a light, gentle sound. I mean, just, ha, you people. I mean, you can feel it. Look what happens. Verse 11. Water did gush out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites saying, because you didn't show them how compassionate and loving and patient I am, Moses, as the leader, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. You're not getting into the promised land. So Moses is someone we talk about as a hero of the faith. God certainly used him. Moses is in heaven, all that. He was a believer, but it cost him in real ways here on earth. And it kept him out of the promised land from experiencing God's best for his life. Now, what you need to understand, this was not the first time Moses had an outburst like this. Okay, uh, you know, God shows so much grace and compassionate to us. It's just been a one-time thing. I think we're moving on. But that's that's not the case. Do you remember early on in Moses' life? Moses was an Israelite. He had been drawn out of the Nile while everybody else, all of his brothers and sisters, his mom, 
or slaves in Egypt. I'm sure he had some issues with that. And one day, he sees an Egyptian treating one of his brother Israelites badly. And what does he do? I always kind of had the Hollywood version of this. This is the Hollywood version where, you know, Moses is like, hey, you stop being a bully. Stop doing that. And then the guy says, you don't tell me what to do, and comes out and starts choking Moses. And Moses is like, whoa, I didn't want to fight. And then all of a sudden they fall down and his sword goes through him. No, that's not what happened. Moses saw this guy, had him in his sights, and it was premeditated murder. And it seems like what God's saying is, Moses, I've been working in your life for 80 years, and you still haven't changed. Your heart hasn't been transformed. Friends, the question for us is, what do we do? What, what do we do with this anger? And I just want to give us two questions we can ask ourselves as, as we close this. And here's the two questions. What, first, what will be the cost of my anger? I think this is a great question for all of us to ask ourselves in the moment when you're angry. And the reality is you do have the ability to bite your tongue. You do have the ability to refrain. Give you a perfect example of this. You ever had the, the, the household fight? You ever, volumes maybe getting raised and then somebody knocks on the door? You ever done this? And there's, oh, hi, Jack. Come on in for some tea. Yeah, we've all done that. Some of you, it was on the way to church. <laughs> and you came in this morning and you got out of the car and it was like, oh, hi, Betsy, right? Mr. Optimism over here. We, we've all done this. It means we, we do have the power. We can change it. We can change our attitude. And in the moment, sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to bite your tongue. You just have to refrain. But then how do you deal with this? That brings us to the second question. And the second question is, what is the cause of my anger? What's really going on? Because, friends, anger is just a symptom of the deeper, a deeper problem. Is it hurt? Some wound you haven't dealt with? Is it frustration at life? You know, is it fear? So what do you do with that? What I would challenge you is, rather than suppressing it or expressing it to others, confess it and take it to God. And here's what's going to happen when you do that. When you go to God and you tell him what's really going on in your heart, let me tell you what's going to start to happen. Your heart is going to begin to change. God is going to begin to transform your heart from the inside out as you call on him and ask for his help in this. 2 Corinthians 3, the Apostle Paul says it this way, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, so we're seeing God's glory. In Christ, we get to experience God in a new covenant way that we didn't before. He says we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I hope you caught that last part. As we contemplate God's glory... Okay, by the spirit that lives in us, what begins to happen is we begin to become more glorious. Sometimes we talk about God like, oh, it's just all glory to him. He's, he's the glorious one. We're worms. That's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says as we contemplate his glory, we begin to look more like him. We are transformed from one degree. It's a process. One degree of glory to another. And, 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 and we begin to look like his character, his patience, his compassion. When we know him, call on him, and ask him to change us. Guys, something we say in the church, I think way too flippantly, is God is with us. He is with us in the sense that he's always available to us. I want to say this out of love. Let me suggest he's not with all of us. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's standing there and he's waiting for you and he's, he's been knocking and Maybe you're so wrapped up in your own life and your own world and what we would maybe call idols that maybe he's not really actually doing anything in your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when? When what? When you search for me with all of your heart. When you search for me with all of you have. That's when you're going to see my glory. That's when you're going to experience me. And that's when your life is going to begin to be transformed. It's when I say, God, I need you. I got hurt in my life. There is pain from things that have happened in my life. I need you to heal. God says, by his wounds, we can be healed. When I have frustrations in my life because life is not going my way, God says, wait on me. I am a good God and I will fight for you. And I will bring some peace into your life. When I'm afraid, God says, you need to remember who you are. You need to stop acting like that. You are a child of the most high God. I love you. Start acting like it. God will show up all of a sudden. And you know what will happen? He will change you from the inside out. Who wants to be changed from the inside out? If you're like me today, you're saying, God, I need you. I want to be a better man. Anybody in here want to be a better man? I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. Anybody in here want to be a better woman? Okay, I shouldn't raise my hand for that, I guess. I, I'll let you do that. It only happens when we call on him and say, God, I need you. I confess these are the things going on in my life, but you are a good God. Come in and change me. Ha, <laughs> Friends, the good news is he will. He will. I'm not the same man I was five years ago. I'm certainly not the same man I was 10 years ago. All thanks to Jesus. He can change us. He can change the worst of us, which brings us to communion, okay? And that's the good news for all of us today. He is available. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. And so hopefully you grabbed a communion cup when, when you came in. If not, we got people in the back. You can just raise your hand. They'll bring you one. Friends, I love Revelation 3.20. This is Jesus talking to the church. He's talking to the church, by the way, so there's an implication here. Jim, I see somebody over here. Get a chance. Jesus even has to say this to the church sometimes. Here I am, church. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. 
if anyone will hear my voice and just open that door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. Do you know why we get to come into the presence of God? Do you know why we get to experience the glory of God in our lives and his transformational work? It's all because of Jesus. That's what this is about. So as we take communion this morning, we're going we're gonna to focus on him. We're going to ask that he would use this to draw us close to him this morning and because we want to be close to him. So we're going to take out that wafer, that just open that top layer there. and This represents the, the body of Christ. It was broken. And it was broken in part so that we could be made whole and we could be complete in him, friends. And look what he's saying as we commune with him. He's saying, take me in. Take me in. I'm, open, I'm, I'm standing there at the door knocking. Take me into yourself in the deepest part so I can change you from the inside out. So let's do that. Let's eat. Jesus, we invite you in. Mm, thank you, Jesus. And we open that second layer. It represents the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of sin. You know, maybe some of us are convicted a little bit this morning. I certainly am by this topic. The good news is Jesus shed his blood so we can be washed, clean. <laughs> forgiven of any sin that we might be struggling with this morning. And we want to take his blood, we want to take his life into our inmost parts, into our inmost being this morning. So let's do that and let's drink. Jesus, we take you in. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you invite us into your presence and that you meet us in this place. You come into the deepest hurts, the deepest wounds, the deepest frustrations, the deepest fears, and you can change us, God. And that's what we crave this morning. We want to be different. We want to be better. So by your grace, because of the sacrifice you've already made, because you already have victory, would you do that in this church? Would you do that in each and every life? Bring that life transformation that only you can as we think on you and behold your glory. Help us, Jesus, to be glorious like you. In your name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.